This episode of Film Frenzy contains spoilers for Mortal Kombat 2021. Consider this your spoiler warning. Hi, I'm Brooke. And I'm Tom, and this is another episode of Film Frenzy Friday. Let's do it. Okay, hello everybody. I'm hoping you guys had a good week. We started out this week by watching the brand new movie on HBO Max of Mortal Kombat. Brooke, why don't you tell us a quick intro on what Mortal Kombat is and who stars in it. So Mortal Kombat is a movie that just came out this past week, April 16th of 2021. It is directed by Simon McQuoid. Um, I'm not sure if I'm totally pronouncing that correctly. Starring such as Joe Taslim, Jessica McNamee, Louis Tan, Cece Stringer, Hiroyuki Sandana, Ludi Lin, Mekud Brooks, Alyssa Codwell, Josh Lawson, Padanobo Asono, Chin Han, Max Hueg, and some other people as well. Um, not really, not really anybody who sticks out to me as an you know, mainstream. But I will say one thing about this movie and the casting that really surprised me is that they did cast a lot of Asian actors in general to play Asian characters, which is good because that's something that they seem to be lacking in the movie industry with these past few years. So good on them for that. Before we get too ahead of ourselves, we want to welcome special guests this week. This is the second time we're doing this. This is somebody new. We'd like to welcome Tyler to our podcast. Hello. How you doing? We're doing good over here. Welcome to our club. Welcome to our club. <laughs> Real quick, only thing I want to mention about the cast, there's only one name in here or one face that I recognize from any other movie, and it's uh, Ning-Ching Han, who was actually in The Dark Knight, if you remember. He played, I don't even know what character he was, I forget his name now, but he, he was the money guy. Oh. Who they, yeah, Bruce Wayne actually abducted from Japan, I believe, from the building and brought him back. Gotcha. Recurring oh. characters. Yep. So that's the only person that I recognize out of this entire cast. That makes sense. Yeah. I don't know if you guys knew, but Joe Taslim, the guy who plays Sub-Zero, he is actually a real martial artist person. I did not know that. Yeah. Him and I think as well as uh, the guy who played Scorpion, I believe they both did martial arts, but a lot of people were comparing the guy who plays Sub-Zero to like Bruce Lee and stuff and, and how his movies would go. And I thought that was just a cool thing that I never knew about the actor. Oh, yeah. It says that he's a member of the Indonesia Judo National Team from 1997 to 2009. So I did not know that. That's impressive. I think they all played pretty good characters. It's just that type of movie where it's just an action flick. There's there's a storyline to it, but it's it's a lot of action. It's a lot of choreography. And I think I think all the scenes played out pretty well in my eyes. Uh, yeah, I'd say so. I mean, it kind of started out as a gore fest, I would say, but it, it didn't really stay that way. I mean, you know, other than like the fatalities and stuff, but that's kind of what you would expect from a movie like this. Definitely. And I think if it didn't have all that, if it didn't have references to the game, it wouldn't be a very good Mortal Kombat type movie. Right, exactly. Whenever they would say to themselves like, oh, like flawless victory and like fatality. It was like, it was really cheesy and it was like a, it was just weird, but I thought it was a good charm to add that kind of goofiness they would be saying as the announcer or whatever. I just thought that was a nice touch. Well, yeah, because in the game, like you said, it's just an announcer saying it. It's not actually the characters themselves. So without having somebody running any kind of a fight tournament, because it's not what happens in this movie. It's not like you, okay, you two ready to fight? Let's fight. It wasn't that type of movie. So you couldn't have a third party really announcing. Now, you did have certain fights where they were doing their training. You had Kung Lao training, and he would say, okay, fight. That was kind of a, a reference to the game with having a third party as like a referee style. Yeah. 
I'd say so. I mean, that's pretty comparable. They obviously did that for the reference. Let's go over real quick what the point of the movie was, like the plot, I guess. So it starts out, you have two characters. Everybody knows who they are. You got to get the gist of it right off the bat, that it's Sub-Zero and it's going to be eventually Scorpion. You know that that's what the movie's about. So obviously they have an altercation of some sort. Sub-Zero kills his family. Turns out there's these chosen ones that have, they call it a birthmark, but it's a chosen mark. It's the circle with the dragon in it. I guess that's the typical Mortal Kombat symbol. Turns out that there's a deathmatch tournament, is what they refer to it as, called Mortal Kombat. And it takes place in Outworld. I don't really know much more about that. I don't know if you have more insight on that, Tyler. Well, the whole point of this, uh, just Mortal Kombat in general, and the idea of the tournament, each of those uh, people who has the birthmarks, they would have to compete in this tournament so this tournament is from each of the different realms so you have the outworld and then earth realm we'll keep it simple just with those two for now but basically there's a whole hierarchy story with like the gods and everything and basically they made this tournament that if one of the realms wins 10 times they are able to invade that realm and to basically take over it at this point in that movie outworld had won nine times so this would be the 10th tournament that they would win they would be able to take over earth realm that's the that's the gist of it but they don't actually have the actual quote-unquote tournament in this movie basically all those guys you know sub-zero and shang Tsung and all those guys are basically trying to kill the earth realm fighters pretty much before the tournament ever even happens oh so that basically they can guarantee their victory yep if there's no fighters then that's it like it's over okay. i could see them setting that up for a second film where it'll be about the actual tournament and you'll see a lot of the same characters maybe some new ones definitely some new ones actually right because they definitely left it off on a cliffhanger and if anybody's wondering yes there is going to be spoilers so if you have not seen this and you do not want it spoiled you might want to turn off now Throughout the process of the whole tournament thing, the Earth Realm characters get together and they start training with each other, practice fighting, while they're kind of defending themselves from the Outworld group. I guess when you play the game, you can kind of get the gist between who the good guys are and the bad guys. I look at it as more as the ones that are more creature-like or scary-looking. They're more the bad guys, I guess you would say, the Outworld. And then the Earth Realm is the more Earth-type creatures, you know. Am I correct on that? Right. One of the things I actually wanted to add along with that is uh, I was just looking at the casting and Joe Taslim, guy who plays Sub-Zero once again, on there, they actually have him as not only Sub-Zero, but also Noob Cybot. I might want to save this till later, actually, once we go through the movie and everything. So why don't we start off by going through the actual uh, movie and then once we get done, we'll go back to that point it goes throughout the rest of the movie and like i said there's battles that take place really nothing gets resolved in this movie except that both sides pretty much survive and then it kind of leaves on a cliffhanger that's the gist of the movie let's go over some of the scenes that we enjoyed we'll start from the beginning right off the bat we talked quickly about this battle between sub-zero who's not really sub-zero yet and scorpion who's not really scorpion yet sub-zero is fighting i don't know how to say his name hanzo hasashi yes <laughs> him <laughs> who is like a farmer of some sort so it takes place in japan and sub-zero comes and attacks his family kills his wife and his oldest child now 
this is the part where I got lost a little bit because they hid the baby in the floorboards. But later, as the movie goes on, you kind of get the gist that Cole Young is the somehow the descendant. But we were confused because they kept saying it was a daughter or she. And they kept referring to the child as a girl that got hidden away. So we were very confused by that. It wasn't until way later that you realize that he is the descendant further down the line. So she was saved and obviously had her own family and went down the line with him. So that's a little bit of a jump. But this scene in the beginning when they're having their fight, he goes after the kids first and his hand is like turned into ice. And I think the, the youngest kid is kind of like trying to defend himself. And he was like, oh, you take after your father. And like his hand is ice. So that's the indication right there that you know that he's... Sub-Zero. Right. Even I knew that, and I don't really know Mortal Kombat, but I was like, I know that one. That's Sub-Zero. I know him. Right. When the when the video games originally came out, there was no storyline that I ever remember. Now, you're, you're going way back to the original video game, which was an arcade game in 1992. This was like the first game where the characters on screen looked like real people. And thinking back now, they really didn't look that real. But up until then, everything was like a cartoon. You know, it was all very animated, just a side-by-side, -side, no aerial view, no 3D look to it, just side-by-side. -side. So when Mortal Kombat came out, it was like they took a clipping out of a magazine and pasted them on the game and ma made them animated. So it was like a really big deal of how it looked. So That's I, a good way to put it. Yeah, so I always remember just seeing the game. I don't remember actually playing the arcade game until it came out on um, one of the consoles. I believe it was like probably the Sega Genesis or something. But you had the original characters. You had like Sub-Zero, Scorpion, Johnny Cage, Sonya. And they had these fatality moves, but they were so hard to figure out back then. Like if you didn't know the code to do the finishing moves, you didn't, you're not going to figure it out. You had to know what they were. I do remember Scorpions was hold up and push start and he would rip his mask off and shoot flames. And that was his finishing move. And then the whole fatality thing that's how that all started the good old uh toasty which he actually had a cameo towards at the end of the movie did the toasty guy show up because i didn't hear i was i was almost hoping that that would happen i feel like that would have just been funny i would have loved it but that's that's what that fatality is is the toasty one well in one of the games depending on what you did he kind of popped up out of nowhere and just was like toasty but i don't remember why or what you did but there was I think it was like a further down the road version that if you did some code, it brought you to the smoke character who is dressed just like Sub-Zero and Scorpion, except he's gray. So that was when smoke was introduced and you had to, uh, you had to get the toasty to get to that special cutscene or that character or something like that. Now, let me ask a question real quick about original Mortal Kombat, because obviously like I know, I don't even know, probably not Mortal Kombat 11, but like one of the more recent ones was the original arcade game like not gore i mean it couldn't be gory it was an arcade game but like what led them to make the game so gory and then like that to become like the thing you know what i mean like that's that game's like shtick is like how gory it is so i'm just wondering what like led them to that does anybody know it was kind of like that from the beginning. I remember like the most notorious one was Sub-Zero's spine rip. He would grab your head and just pull your head off and your spine would be hanging there. That That's the probably one of the most notorious ones I remember from the original. Yeah, but if you go back to the original arcade, there was no way it was that graphic. I would venture to say that it probably had animated blood, but it was not even close to as gory as it is now. Oh, well, yeah, definitely not as, as it is now. I think it's just one of those games that kind of, I don't want to say broke the rule 
rules, but open that door to that kind of gore, no pun intended right. there. It just has developed over time to get to the gore that it is now. Like you said, with the ripping of the spines. And it's almost like the more graphic, the better. And that that's their whole, like you said, their whole shtick. That's their whole concept is um, bloody and gory and disturbing in some ways. Oh, and also replacing everything with a C with a K. That's their niche as well. <laughs> Correct. I actually thought that Kano was spelled with a C, but apparently I was wrong because I looked it up. You know, and they actually had a, a good point in that movie too when Cole was saying, <laughs> you know, they didn't even spell, spell right. combat right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think I picked up on that. That's pretty funny. It was really funny. That, that made me laugh, but that was a good, uh, was a good little uh, line to squeeze in there. After that scene, we jumped. Uh, I don't even know if it says how many years they jumped. It's like modern. Does no, anybody but it's remember? Modern. Yeah, so it started out with like ancient medieval Japan. I believe it was 1617. Something like that. Very early. I did just want to say one thing that I actually thought was a really good detail. So Scorpion's spear that he uses, and you know, he tied the rope to the kunai. The kunai was actually a, a farming tool, and you could see she's using it. I wife. did notice so, that. So I thought that was a really good detail to put in there. Like, you know, this is what this is actually made for, not, you know, hmm. throwing it at people. I thought that was a good uh, detail right there. So as we moved forward in time, we're introduced to Cole Young, who was a some type of MMA fighter and he's fighting in the ring and that scene was even pretty graphic like it was very bloody I know MMA can get bloody like that but it just seemed a little over the top bloody for being such a, a not right. not like a main event kind of thing it wasn't like a television thing it was just like it just seemed like a bunch of people doing MMA in a gym somewhere but it was it was pretty bloody Cole loses his daughter I believe that is yeah um, is, is yelling at him, don't tap, don't tap. He taps. So obviously he's like a struggling MMA fighter. And that's when he meets Jax after he loses. And um, he says, you know, show me this birthmark you got. So the daughter says, oh no, it's a birthmark. And he shows it to him. And I believe when he's walking away, he says, you know, it's no birthmark. And he doesn't really explain it at the time. One of the things, another, another detail was daughter was saying to, you know, throw an uppercut or throw an uppercut. That's a detail that they mention multiple times throughout the rest of the movie as well. And it has that point towards the last quarter of the movie to throw the uppercut. Yeah, he, I believe he says that even later. I guess I should have thrown the uppercut. Two or three times uh, towards the end of the movie. So I thought that was a good detail as well to throw in there. Right. Then they get attacked. The kid is sitting outside of the cafe or whatever it is. And Cole and the wife are inside. Sub-Zero shows up, tries to kill the daughter and him, knowing that he is a descendant of his enemy, who is right. Scorpion. And that's when... Jax picks them up and takes them back, and he gets into a fight with Sub-Zero later and loses his arms. Now, Tyler, you got to correct this one. That is not what happens in the game, correct? That is similar, but it is not what happens in the game. There's 11 games now. They rebooted the entire series with ninth one which was just Mortal Kombat. It came out around like the PlayStation 3 era, like 2009-ish. In that game, there's another character called Ermac. He uses like, he's basically a bunch of souls, but he's the one who rips Jax's arms off. But it's in a very similar way where he just kind of does that same thing where he pulls his arms apart and they just kind of break and they shatter. Same thing, but I like the way that the movie did it better than the game, in my opinion. I think that makes a lot more sense and... It looks a lot better, in my opinion. 
right with the whole freezing and then ripping them off so they shatter right and it was a very i think that the special effects on that part was really really good i like just the whole getting like the frost bitten and you could see through the ice you can see his arms starting to get all bloody but i like that a lot better in, in my personal opinion and now brooke in your film opinion what did you think about like the special effects and stuff i mean they were good i didn't really have much to note some of the blood looked kind of fake which was annoying yeah i, I noticed that quite a bit <laughs> yeah and we all know my stance on effect and i would rather you do it practically practically for more money than cgi and it not look as good but i mean obviously the arm scene was really interesting i thought it was cool how even after they had his arms both freeze they kind of showed the way that it slowly bled up his arm which i thought right. was cool it was like realistic i guess i don't really know if it's realistic but it was an interesting theme that they kept going with well i'm wondering because you just said it being realistic or whatever i think in a way they probably did it over the top because it's right. more of the video game right. style like let's make it ridiculous because in a way like even when the one girl gets blown through the middle and she's got a big hole in her and her spine is there spine is still there yeah that's the spine and obviously that was odd because if you got a hole blown in you like that <laughs> your spine would probably be gone anyway but that's something that happens in the game so i think that all the things that happen like that that are over the top cheesy gory is referencing the game yeah right i would say going back to the same thing with the blood it looked very gooey right in my opinion but i think that it worked well well, because it was like you're losing 20 pints of blood from getting a paper cut. <laughs> you know, it, it's just the way that that game works. And I think that the way they did it, that over the top was much better than the previous movies that they did. They have made other movies. They're not very good, but they have like that charm. Right. right. I would say the gore and everything is much better in this movie, but that's to be expected. It's a newer movie. Well, I think that the first one that came out, I want to say it was late 90s. It was like a big deal when it came out. So when I was in high school, I did a lot of paintings and drawings and stuff from the movie. So I actually have a painting of Kano, the, the Kano from that style. It was really cheesy, and it almost feels like they just kind of threw it together. Now, the soundtrack was really cool. You've probably heard the original, but it was very techno-like, all their music. Some of the music, even at the end and the end credits, was kind of the same, but it was more techno back in the late 90s, because that was a little bit more popular, I guess. It just felt like that original one was just thrown together. It, it really wasn't done well. I, I didn't understand the plot. They just kind of introduced characters and showed up in this outer world realm or whatever and it was just like how'd they get here what is this it wasn't a whole lot of explaining going on it was it was not that good and from what you said in the beginning about the all asian cast like back then they used um the guy that played raiden i want to say it was the guy that does kung fu the the series kung fu which is a white guy uh <laughs> but the series of Kung Fu, he was supposed to be white, but it was weird that they chose him, put him in that role. Yeah. It's, I, they put him in that role because he was from Kung Fu, but it was very strange. Like, just the characters that they chose. And I remember Johnny Cage being there and just being cheesy, but I think that's his character anyway. You know, going back to the same thing with the Asian actors, that I think that all of those actors as well were cast pretty pretty good i think that each of them kind of embodied each of their personalities obviously not asian character but i mean i'll go into more but kano i think was like right on the money like hit the nail right on the head i agree his his character was very good he almost had some, a, like a deadpoolish kind of feel for me like just his smart ass comments yeah. and everything when the movie was coming out everybody was like you know where's johnny cage you know like why isn't he he's a big part of the, the whole thing but i kind of get now why they didn't have him in there because having to 
two characters like that. I would say Kano was good because it was like like a hard nose kind of being an idiot kind of humor, while Johnny Cage's is more like, hey, look at me, I'm hot shit, and that kind of humor. I think having those two, it would have been too much humor. I think it was a good idea that they are going to hold them off to the next movie. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but Kano is an Australian character, correct? Right. Okay, so the actor they chose, Josh Lawson, is in fact Australian, and he sounded really good. I wonder if he has to overdo his accent, or if he really does talk that deep Australian, because it sounded really good, and it sounded very witty and funny. I think I was watching an interview, and he was talking the same way. Well, that's even better, I would say. I was going to say because I went on Twitter this morning and um, Kano was trending, as you know he should be. Um, and I noticed that people were saying that the guy who plays Kano is actually from a comedy. It's I guess it's a sitcom. I, I don't know. My ex-roommate used to watch it. It's called Superstore. It gets on Hulu, but he plays like a doofy like guy in it. So it was everybody was like, there's no way that this is the same guy. <laughs> he also plays in a Showtime series, House of Lies. Oh, I've never seen that. I've heard of it, but I've never seen it. I've heard good things, but... He was in Anchorman, too, apparently, and the first one. I've only ever seen Anchorman probably once. So we've got a little bit off horse here, but after um, Cole and his family are rescued by Jack, he explains that he needs to go and find Sonya Blade. So when he finds Sonya, this part was kind of weird for me. He finds her and like immediately, bam, they're best friends. She's telling him everything about everything. It seemed a little bit quick for me, but she starts explaining the whole Mortal Kombat and being the chosen one and all that stuff. Because when she's, I think they're in like a junkyard or something like that. And she's right. like, she's like, I don't know if she's pointing a gun at him or she's telling him to stop. And she's like, show me the, the mark, show me the mark, show me the mark. He finally shows her. She's like, oh, okay, we're friends. So yeah. it was kind of quick for me. She explains the whole Mortal Kombat tournament. She's got somebody locked up in her trailer or whatever it is. And as soon as you see him, you know, okay, bam, that's Kano. I was kind of upset to see that his face didn't have like the metal the typical metal right you know skull of whatever's under his face showing so i really didn't even believe that it was kano right away and then when he has this fight with reptile he gets scratched and i was like oh, okay that's gonna be it but it just kind of remained a scratch for the whole movie it was i don't know i kind of wish it would have tore more of his face and shown more metal. Right, but also, obviously, towards the end, like at the very end of the movie, it depends on what happens with that, whether he gets that eye. I guess it's a cybernetic implant, I guess you could say, to actually be able to shoot his laser. Right. I, I would say that the whole the whole Arcana thing, Arcana, whatever they call it in the movie, that's a completely new thing. Like, that was never mentioned to my, to my knowledge, so that's a whole new thing for the movie as well. Right. Kano's, like, locked up, and Reptile shoots out like a acid venom and it melts steel or whatever so the steel melts and then it drips down and he's able to get his handcuffs free so he's free she promises to pay him two million dollars and then he says three million if he helps them find this temple and um, after they're getting ready to go cole young looks at her and he's like you know do you even have any money she's like i don't have any money look i live in a trailer <laughs> so he kept saying like you know you don't have any money you don't have any money and she goes you don't know what i have so it was one of those comic relief moments so this whole movie, I'm, I'm like wondering where some of these known characters are at. So, you know, you have Cole Young, which I didn't know who that was because he's 
nobody. So I was kept waiting, where's Liu Kang at? Where's Liu Kang? Because he's like one of the most well-known characters in the game. So finally, when they go searching for this temple, they get dropped and it looks like they're in the middle of the desert somewhere. And finally, Liu Kang shows up. And when you see him in the distance and you see his silhouette, you finally say, okay, there he is. Going going back for a second to the, uh, back when they were on the trailer and she had like the whole investigation kind of portrait bulletin board thing. Uh, you see uh, a couple of characters I know one for sure, one maybe, but one of them, it was actually Nightwolf. Uh, he was on there, so maybe he has a possibility of showing up at some point. And I don't quite know who the other one was. He looked like a, a different character. And I believe you saw Shao Kahn at one point too, who's like overall like the big, big bad. Like he's the big bad guy. But uh, a couple of like little Easter eggs in there. And then of course the Mortal Kombat thing that I mentioned earlier. There's a lot of details in just those papers there. Yeah, I don't think I picked up on any of that, honestly, because like I said, I don't know the video games and the backstory as well as you do. So I probably missed a lot of that even when they started introducing all these characters i almost felt like they were overdoing it it seemed like a spider-man 3 situation where they were introducing so much i was like i'm getting lost because i don't i can't comprehend who all these characters are right yeah and i was i was thinking the exact same thing because once they get to the temple you meet raiden finally he's looking at them like these are the fighters that you brought from earth this is it so he's really not impressed with what he sees sonya is not even supposed to be there because she doesn't have the mark. She can't fight in the tournament anyway. But then they explain at some point that if she kills somebody, she can earn her mark or whatever. And she was fighting with the lady with the sharp teeth. I don't know what her name is. Melina. Yeah, and she goes to kill her, and she says, oh, you know, that would be a waste of a death. So she just leaves, so she doesn't even kill her. Right, and then he kind of just leaves her for uh, Kano, but that obviously doesn't end up working out either. At one point, I can't quite remember what it was, but they kind of just, like, put down the bombshell and was like, oh, here's four characters. They bring out Melina cabal he's the guy with the with the swords and the mask and runs really fast right that one girl with the with the wings i forget what her name was but he was like uh I what what did he say uh like that's kinky or something when yeah. she was doing the something the of, screech and i was like <laughs> <laughs> i don't i don't remember hearing that yeah. <laughs> it was it, it was like okay that's his character like that it was it was good like, I thought that was funny. But um, yeah, they they show all these characters, big characters. And then out of nowhere, the doors open and out comes uh, Goro, the guy with the forearms. And that was like, oh, like, oh, now we're now we're really getting into it. Right. I knew from some of the just the scenes that I looked up throughout the week, I knew that he was going to show up at some point, but I didn't know how big his role was going to be. And another thing we didn't mention, each of the Chosen Ones has a specific power of some sort. So Liu Kang, he can shoot fire. And it's funny because when he first shot fire, the first thing I I thought of was he was supposed to yell Hadouken, but that's a different game. (laughs) I I was like, something's missing there, but wrong character, wrong game. Just Kano's reaction to all of that whenever he shoots fire or whatever, he's like, yeah, like, teach me how to do that. Like, like, when am I going to learn how to do that? Right. He doesn't know what his is. Cole Young doesn't know what his is you got Raiden who can shoot lightning. Sonya doesn't have anything because she's nobody. Then you have Kung Lao who has the the hat that's like a razor blade or like a saw blade. Yeah, that was interesting. That yeah. was that was one of the better scenes. 
that fight scene when that finally happened it was like finally something from the game that's like that's a typical brutality or fatality move right there when the the hat was in the sand and spinning and you know she got pushed along it and it just cut her in half yeah and just the point when he's introduced when the the hat gets thrown and he pops out from under the ground teleports like that was like one of those power moves right there that that was a really good introduction to him Mm -hmm. because that's something he does in the game right right now Jax do they find him at the temple and he's laying out and he has no arms and they have the crew come in they're like you know you gotta let them work on him so Sonya's all concerned for him and he comes out with these dinky little little things like robot arms and it's like that's really cheap like what did you guys do because you know from the game that he's like this he's just got these big giant metal arms big strong arms and he's got these it looked like he's got droid arms Like, what did they do? And I was thinking, you guys can't leave it like that. That's got to be from the beginning. That's got to be the beginning. So she even goes in and she's trying to help him train. And he's he's like hitting this punching bag and these arms are like barely moving. And I'm like, man, this is like bad, bad writing. So eventually he goes to rescue her and he's trying to lift a rock and he can't do it. And then, no, these these arms morph or transform, if you will, into these big, stronger arms. And it's like, okay, finally, there's Jax. That's what Jax is supposed to be. And then he just goes in and mops the floor with pretty much everybody (laughs) right they start doing these trainings by fighting each other and we talked about that earlier where um kung lao is kind of the referee at one point he's like okay fight so this comes up to a funny scene which every time i've watched it now it's made me crack up so you got um lu kang who's gonna fight kano in a a sparring match so Kano comes walking up and he's like, all right, all right, none of this Harry Potter crap. Or he probably says Harry Potter shit. But regardless, he goes walking over. Liu Kang does like a, a roundhouse low kick and knocks him over. And he was like, what? So he, he jumps back up and boom, he does it again. And he's looking at him. He's like, you know, is that all you can do? So he threatens to do it again and he jumps and it's that typical game jump where it's just so hop. It's a little hop. It's just the cheesy hop. And then Liu Kang does it again and knocks him over. And it just makes me laugh because when you're when you're playing the game and you're playing against somebody that always uses the same move, you always try to defend it, and that's what happens. You start jumping for no reason. <laughs> and that's what made me laugh so hard every time. Yeah, that was that was a really good point. Uh, that, that was a good uh, little section they put in there. Fight! No Harry Potter. Cute. Real cute. Let's see you try down again. Is that the only move you know, mate? Yeah, yeah, put a shirt on, Magic Mike. So, yeah, that's, that's a good scene. I thought that was funny. And at one point, I don't know when it was, but obviously it seems like Kano is not getting along with everybody, which you can kind of understand that where his character is. He wants his powers so bad. So uh, he starts giving Kung Lao a hard time and he's telling him to pass him an egg roll. And uh, Kung Lao reaches over and grabs the, uh, the egg roll with the chopsticks and like pretends he's going to hand it to him and then you know, eats the whole thing. And he's like, all right, Kung Pao, something along those lines. And he stands up and he starts getting real agitated. And um, that's when Kano finally gets his his powers. Now sit down, shut up, and pass me a fucking intro! That was it, wasn't it? You all saw that. 
better than fireballs, you pussy. <laughs> Come on, Kaino. So that's so that's good, you know. He gets his powers and he's all excited because he he tells uh Liu Kang, he's like, Oh, it's better than fireballs, you pussy. So there's a lot of comic relief with him. And like I said earlier, he's like a Deadpool in this movie because he's witty and sarcastic and just says whatever he wants, whenever he wants. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's kind of what makes him so likable. Like I said, he was trending on Twitter this morning, so like obviously he's a fan favorite. Obviously, people are talking about Kano, and I think that that's just kind of what you need is a character that's such a like impressive comic relief i guess um in a type of movie like this where it's kind of all like action punch 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 blood rip spine out you know yeah you need that that little balance of uh comedy in there so kano gets his finally gets his power um he's all excited about it cole still hasn't gotten anything he doesn't he doesn't know what his power is so he finally finds out that he is a descendant of scorpion who is once again tyler what's his name hanzo hasashi Yes. And at that point is when they start introducing all the, the bad characters. And like I said, I got lost. I didn't know who half of them were. I knew they were characters, but they weren't so well known that I knew what their names were. But everybody that has played the game um, has most likely played every character because when you open up a new character, it's like, oh, I got to try that. And you play and you're like, yeah, I don't like that because I don't know the move. Now, a thing with the newer, newer games, though, is you, you go into the menu of the games and it shows you what all the moves are. But there's so many moves that you have to pick a character that you like and that, you know, you have to learn their moves and then that's your character. So anytime I ever played, I only ever played a scorpion because it seemed like I understood his stuff better. And I always liked the whole fire and skulls and stuff. That was always the character that um, I was attracted to. What about you, Tyler? Who did you like to play as? I, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I'm a scorpion main myself. <laughs> As well, but one of the <laughs> one of the biggest things, especially with with the games, is exactly like you said. Uh, you know, you kind of pick your character, and then that's that's who you play as. You memorize everything you can with them. But you go to a different character, and it's like I have no idea how to play this. Yeah, I mean, the typical moves that you up is jump, and you know, or certain buttons are punch and uppercut, and all those are normal. But when it comes to the specialty moves, you have to know the character to uh, understand how to to play them. Yeah, there's so many different things in fighting games just in a, in a general sense that a lot of the average person doesn't really know like uh like frames and that kind of stuff and how many frames this takes and how many frames this takes if you do this and it's it's a lot more complicated than just saying hey i'm gonna punch this guy in the face seven times and oh yeah you're not, you don't win these kind of games with stuff like that so now kano somehow i don't remember how it happened but he ended up turning he goes rogue basically um and he turns off the lightning which is protecting them from the bad guys or whoever whatever you want to call them and that's when um Goro finally shows up, and they Raiden tells Cole to go back and protect his family, correct? Right. All right, well, he's just like, go back to your family. Right, so he teleports him with his lightning, and Goro shows up, and then that's the, the fight scene between Cole and Goro. And I was very surprised he really mopped the floor with Goro. Well, he finally gets his power that um, he develops, which is... I don't know, it's just kind of a, it's fire-oriented, I guess, where he gets, um, like, an armor, and then he gets those kind of sword arm things going on. So, um, I don't know if you noticed, but um, towards the beginning of the movie, he, his daughter gives him a bracelet. That bracelet, when he's fighting Goro, and he finally gets his armor and everything, the armor actually comes from that bracelet and goes around his body. Oh, I didn't notice that. I did notice that it was yellow and black, though, which was giving me the, the whole scorpion vibe. Oh, yeah, I didn't notice either. Of right, them. and I kind of, I kind of wondered if all these arc, 
arcana things, whatever you want to... I, I don't quite remember what they call them, but uh, you got to think Jax got his because he lost both of his arms and that was his. Kano got scratched in his eye and then all of a sudden he could shoot laser beams. Uh, Cole's hit came from his wrist. Yeah, that was specifically the bracelet. Uh, with Sonya, there wasn't really anything really that I noticed, but those... those three characters and specifically they all had to do with something that was wrong with them or that they had with them so in order to unlock Kano's he had to get really pissed off for Jax he had to I guess it was when he was lifting up the rock so he needed more strength Mm -hmm. and then with Cole it originated from the bracelet so there's got to be some sort of uh connection with all those things that maybe we'll find out uh I think the connection is it plays on all of their weaknesses so it plays on yeah it takes their weaknesses and then it makes them like stronger through like you know how they say like your your biggest like weakness is like your biggest what do they say your biggest weakness is your biggest you're, you're, uh, you're, yeah your your biggest weakness is also your biggest strength and i guess you could say that cole's biggest weakness was right. his family yeah. i guess you could say well and, like his family was very vulnerable right and that's why it originated from the bracelet maybe that's a that's a good connection there i didn't think of yeah it's i think of it more as he's their protector and it's like a sensitive thing for him, you know, that he's going to protect them. Um, and he so feels like he yeah, can't. Yeah, so it makes him stronger by defending them or, or protecting them. That's a good way to look at that. I didn't even pick up on any of that. Thanks. So I guess pretty much he gives Goro the fatality, pretty much. And Goro's done for. And then automatically, it's almost like Raiden knew that this is what was going to happen. Because right away, he's teleported back. Right. And when he defeated Goro, that was that was pretty cool. I mean, he really tore him a new one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like his guts were coming out. And, uh, it Cut was off just, his it hand. Was, yeah, it was, it was very graphic. And even before that, he used like an MMA move and like put his arm in like an arm bar and broke it. And Goro's looking at his hand and, you know, he twists it or whatever and fixes it that was also another uh, go ahead no go ahead that was also another thing with the uppercut thing i don't know if you heard but while he was fighting goro um he was like almost channeling like this energy every time he got hit like you could see his like chest was glowing red i did notice that through that uppercut it was like all that energy came out when he threw that uppercut so there you go so maybe the love for his family is what is his yeah it almost reminded me of um black panther's suit and the way that it connect or it collects kinetic energy and then you're able to use that energy like later oh yeah that's pretty good uh and then obviously uh kung lao does his uh fatality on the chick with the wings i still don't remember her name but uh and then shang sung shows up and starts to suck out his soul yes and that's that's something from the game too correct right he can do that but as far as Kung Lao goes, I believe that he dies in so many different ways, from my knowledge. Um, but he usually does die somehow. Hmm. Right. Well, I would say with this movie, um, with it being such a fantasy movie, um, nobody's ever dead. You know, right. so anybody that died in this movie doesn't mean that they're gone. Um, obviously, they could most likely be resurrected somehow. Um, so this this point in the movie gets really cool for me because this is when it's getting good. Like there was a lot of stuff. I read some reviews and people were complaining about that it kind of dragged on for over an hour of just storytelling and everything. But I thought it was a good build up. So it builds right. up to this point where they split off and they're like, you know, we're not going to be able to to defeat them like this. We got to go and do it on our own so they go to these specific locations and they're all locations that are from the game you know Jax goes and fights on the on that bridge and um he does his he gets his fatality move the guy with the hammer who's that i don't i had it but uh i don't remember his name oh is it rico uh, uh this uh oh yeah rico 
that's what it was. I just see this guy's face, Nathan Jones. He kind of looks like that guy. So you got Jax fighting on the bridge with Rico, and he finally does his finishing move, and he he basically is beating the crap out of him, and he smashes his hands together and, you know, totally just blows his head off. And he's just sitting there with a bloody stump of a head. So there's a fatality from the game, which was pretty cool. I think that was my favorite one. One thing from that. You yeah. had a favorite <laughs> fatality yeah, in this movie, bro. I liked it when they smash his head. I'm so I'm so happy to hear that when I texted you and you said you were watching it and you said I am enjoying it. I was so happy because I really didn't think you were gonna like this one. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. But I'm glad that you really liked it. But one of the things with that bridge, when I saw that, whenever you're on that bridge in one of the games, there's a, you could do stage fatalities. So like there were certain things in the environment that you could do. And that one is that knock them off the side. And if you look towards the bottom, it was just a bunch of spikes. I do I, know that one. Yes. I really, I was really hoping they were going to do that. Right. And just have them get knocked down and boom, just get impaled down there. But I, I'm, I'm content with how Jax kicked the crap out of that guy. Right. Um. So Sonya starts fighting with who? Uh, oh, Kano. Oh, she fights Kano. Kano. She fights yeah. Kano. Um, so she defeats Kano, and she finally gets her mark. But I don't remember how she she, how she stabbed defeated him, him with the garden. She gnome. ended up yeah, which was <laughs> also right. mentioned in the beginning because oh, he spit on it. I forgot. Yeah. So going back when they're first leaving for the temple, he's like hawking up a big loogie and <laughs> and he spits and he's got he got the gnome sitting there and he's holding his hand out and it's dripping off of his hand and I was like that's pretty gross. <laughs> when he when he spit on the garden gnome. <laughs> And it's this, the shot of the gnome holding the spit. Trevor went, I should call him. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> That's so sick. <laughs> but he remember, I just remember him saying something like, you know, I hate garden gnomes or screw those garden gnomes or something. Eventually, at the end, Sonia stabs him in his eye with the garden gnome. Right. Yeah. So when he, when he's laying there and you see the gnome hanging out, it's like, oh, that's pretty funny. That's like a flashback from the beginning. That was pretty good that they did that. That was a yeah. It was a good, good foreshadowing uh, connection right there. Right. Yep. So so yeah, she fights at um at her house um which is the the trailer or whatever um and she gets she finally gets her mark so she earned her mark because she killed somebody. She killed somebody with the mark, I guess. So Liu Kang is fighting Cabal, right? Yes. And he he does his finishing move, and it's the big dragon comes out, and it's that big, huge dragon. And um, he turns around, and does it say... Who says Flawless Victory? Who does that one? Uh, uh, that was earlier, wasn't Kung, it? Kung Lao does Lau. it. Okay. But Liu Kang does it, but it doesn't say anything, but it's his fatality move. It's like the first... Not even the first, because at that point, there's been a bunch of them, but it's one of those iconic for me... Right. Um, um, fatality moves with the with the dragon. It was really cool. Um, so now we're getting to the best part of the movie. I've been waiting since I knew that we were going to do this movie. Since the movie was coming out, I've been waiting for this fight for so long. So you have Cole now is taken into his training facility because when they're fighting, everything's frozen because he's fighting with Sub Zero, and he's in the cage, and his his uh, his wife and his daughter are frozen to the side of the cage. So Scorpion is fighting with him. Oh, I'm sorry, Sub Zero is fighting with him. So um, he pulls out the dad and he gets his own blood on the dagger which ignites the whole scorpion process because of the whole descendant thing so at this point um i don't know exactly how it happens but sub-zero gets the spear through the side of him well it's a well, different spear it's not the same one that's it's not why. the same it's not the same spear but a spear comes from the back end and um stabs sub-zero in the side or an arm rather Get over here! 
So you get the best line of the whole movie, get over here. And I've been waiting the whole movie, the whole week, the whole month to finally see the showdown between Scorpion and Sub-Zero. Because I feel that if you mention Mortal Kombat to anybody, that's who you think of. Those are the two characters that are the most well-known and who have, I think, the coolest effects and fatalities and, and all that stuff. It's just, it, I was so pumped up when I finally got to that scene. I mean, yeah. It's crazy um, because it's like, you know, it's the climax of the entire movie. It's what we've been waiting for um, the whole time. You know, here once again is that word. It's the cathartic moment of the series is, you know, finally um, seeing this face off, you know, hundreds of years in the making. Um, and he says something at the beginning, which, you know, foreshadows the end. Um, what Hanzo something, right? Am I right? Hanzo. Hanzo yeah. Hanzo Hisashi says something to Sub-Zero at the very beginning where he says, you know, you will remember this fate. Um, and at the end, once he finally, you know, is about to kill him, he takes his mask off and says, I told you, you would remember this face or something along those lines. Um, so it was really, you know, kind of a smack in the face for Sub-Zero. You know, you killed me. Well, fuck you. Now, here you go. I'm killing you, too. Right. I I was kind of had mixed feelings on the whole way he pulled the mask off. But in a way, I think it was done very well because it's more realistic. And realistic meaning, I mean, I know it's a fantasy and everything, but it's not like he just pulled his whole mask off. He just had a skull, you know, because that's just like, okay, now you just look like a skeleton. But he kind of peeled the mask back and showed his face and you could see his face. And then he started to open his mouth and he started breathing fire. And his, you could just see his, his face kind of turn to like a skull looking face with the mm -hmm. fire in it. And then, and then he spits the fire and then that's when he, he basically turns him to ash. And I was like, well, that was really cool because it was the same concept, but in a better way. Yeah. And then, you know, just toasty in the background and it would have been perfect, but you know, we don't always get what we want. But right. Just the way that that whole thing happened and that how once he torched him pretty much that uh, his uh, Cole's wife and daughter wake up and, you know, they get out of the ice and everything. And then uh, Scorpion was like, you know, you freed me. Thank you. Carry on the Hisashi lineage pretty much. Right. And I think that when we talked earlier about the good guys and bad guys thing, I think Scorpion is one of those characters that kind of breaks that rule because in a way portraying in this movie, he's more of the good guy side, but he has the bad guy type of vibe because he's like the skull mm -hmm. and the fire and all that so he kind of seems like that character to kind of kind of go both ways so that's kind of neat scorpion's whole character is he's kind of consumed by his vengeance because you know sub-zero killed his uh wife and daughter right uh, well son but uh there was never at any point like i said there was never a third child it was only uh, I know that the son's name is Satoshi. I don't know what the wife's name was, though. But um, uh, there was, like I said, there was never a third kid. So that whole plot line right there was added in specifically for this movie. And it's interesting that you say that because I wonder what is going to ultimately become the canon of the Mortal Kombat, like, story. Because, you know, obviously it would be stupid for them not to make a game based around the movie. For them to not add, like, Cole as, like, a playable character. They just would lose right. too much money. Not lose, but they could make a lot more money. One, I'm wondering if this is going to become, like, the, like, typical canon. Or if, you know, they're going to, like, have two different tracks of canon. Kind of how they do. Um, so I think that'll be interesting to see in the future. Actually, a really good point. Because in the most recent game, the whole thing is that they are resetting the timeline. 
So I wonder, now that you say that, if that's actually what's going to happen. Right. And you got to understand with, and I know you do understand, but when it comes to like studios and game makers and stuff, they all have to be on the same page and they all have to agree that they're going to do it this way and only this way. Because there's a lot of games and movies and series out there that don't intertwine correctly with each other. And when they don't do that, things don't become canon and stories get changed. So they all have to be on the same page. So it all depends on if the studios are going to work well with the game makers to uh, come to a common agreement of what they're going to do. Right, and uh, Warner Brothers owns Mortal Kombat, obviously. Uh, So it's all under that umbrella. So I could see them doing it. Uh, Is it likely, though? I don't think so. But it's definitely a possibility that they do that. Would it be neat and different? Was this a Warner Brothers movie? Yeah. Okay, so that's that's a good sign then. So Warner Brothers also owns the game? Well, there's... Yes, but the, the... the, the, stu- the game studio? Nether Realm oh, Nether Studios, I think that's who makes the games. Did they always make it? Why did I think it was like Konami or something at one point? Uh they make it now and as far as like with the whole reboot mm. and everything, but as far as the other games, I'm not too versed with who made them. It might have been them, but it might not have been. But uh going going to that next part after, you know, he tortures him and then Shang Tsung and Raiden and all the good guys show up. Um he says, you know, death is only the beginning or something, something along those lines. And then all of the people who die, they get like that black smoke around them and they like teleport somewhere. Right. Um, which indicates that they're not dead. Right. And that's where I wanted to go with the with the noob Cybot thing, because canon from other games is that once that Sub-Zero dies, he becomes noob Cybot. So he's the black ninja like he has like the all black and he has uh like the portals and everything so he completely changes to a different character but it's still the same person so i wonder if that in the next game they're going to introduce that because there's two sub-zeros there's that one which his name is bihan i think the one in yes, this movie Bihan. yep and then his brother something kai liang or something along those lines is like the good sub-zero like he's the good guy so there's a lot of different ways that they could go throughout with whatever the next oh, movie is. That's all really in depth, you know. That's that's right. stuff you you need to know the background. Like I said, I only know from exactly. the first few games, and then when I think they came out with the what was it ten? Is that the one that we had on uh, yeah. PlayStation? Yeah, I I played that one. It got really graphic at that point. It was really fun, but I didn't know the whole storyline. I never really paid attention to all that because you know that like the original was never a. Uh, a game that you actually played a storyline there was no storyline it was just you pick two fighters and they fought that's that's the whole concept of the original game and that's only something they've done you know with that within the past 15 years with the games right so anyway that leads us up to the end and they kind of break off and who is it so cole quits the gym now because or he quits fighting because the guy said hey you want to make some money he goes up oh, i'm done with these these fights i got bigger and better things to do and um he said he was going to hollywood and they show us uh, a poster on the wall and it's uh the poster of johnny cage they don't actually show his face and i think they did that because they probably haven't cast him yet right but it, it has the the logo at the bottom that said like um something about a cage fighter and it said johnny cage above it so obviously johnny cage is going to be introduced in the next movie which should be pretty cool right. now that they basically imply a sequel at the end of this movie but you know based off of the ratings and everything that this movie has gotten i'm genuinely wondering like what whether or not we're actually going to get a sequel for this movie um you know the budget for this movie was 50 million dollars um it just came out yesterday and they've only made 10.7 million back so far um 
Rotten Tomatoes gives it a 55. IMDb is a 6.5 out of 10. And Metacritic is 44%. These are all as of the 24th. Um, and then it says 89% of Google users like this movie. So it's kind of weird because it's one of those movies where it's like critics hate it, but it seems like the audience is really liking it. So I think it's all going to depend on how this opening weekend goes, whether or not we're going to get a sequel or not. Well, unfortunately, with what's going on in the world, they're not doing so well because, think about that, we have one HBO Max subscription, so the three of us, or five, five if you got if you watched it with the other two, you just had five people watch it all right. on one account. So they didn't get any extra money for that. They didn't get the sales at the movies. So the um, new movies that come out, that come out that way, are really going to struggle when it comes to making money. Right. Well, and the way that um, streaming releases work um, is that for every stream, they get a certain amount of money. Now, that could be literal fragments of a penny, um, depending on, you know, whatever their deal is with HBO. So I'm I'm really interested in how, how well they're going to do. Because, I mean, 10.7 million is good even for, like, a half theatrical release. You know what I mean? So I, right. if that's what they're doing in theaters and then, you know, obviously, like I said, it was trending this morning. So people are watching it and I've seen people post on Facebook that they're watching it. Like people are obviously watching this movie and they're excited for it. Um, but I, I think it just really depends on, you know, streaming and how well like the streaming does because I mean, Wonder Woman was a flop because of streaming. So it also sucked apparently. Right. But... It, uh, well, it's all going to depend on, like you said, how many people actually go to the movies is what I feel. Um, I also saw somewhere, I don't know where i saw it now but that it was only going to be available for 30 days is that true on hbo max yeah okay. until they go out with like the full uh digital release yeah. i'm i'm assuming they're okay. trying to entice people to use hbo uh whatever that hbo, HBO streaming max. platform is uh yeah it's and i'll tell you what i mean um i don't know if you guys have seen some of the other movies but uh godzilla and king versus kong that was really good in my opinion i think mortal kombat was a pretty good movie as well uh and now they got space jam coming out later uh they have a nice lineup going and i mean i think hbo max is the more movies that come out especially with space jam coming out because that's going to be a big movie to come out i think that uh i think there's a high possibility you do get a sequel of this movie well i have a feeling that if they don't do well enough that you're gonna have to you they're gonna start doing in um in app purchases for movies like this something that just comes out they're gonna make you pay an extra fee if you want to watch it when it first comes out like if this just got released um yesterday and we just watched it yesterday we didn't pay anything extra for right. it you know kind of like how amazon prime does it like hey you have prime but you have to pay extra for this to watch this yeah i could i won't be surprised if they start doing that because they're gonna have to be able to make some some money on these movies and i can understand that it's gonna be kind of crappy because you know here we are we we um have the subscription but in a way you know you brooke as being um into movies and stuff and you want to make a living someday on it um that's that's how they right. make their money you know you make these movies and you want to make money on them you're not going to make money by letting people watch for free yeah, and i genuinely wonder about that i mean we've kind of gotten off topic here but you know it's, we're still talking about movies but i genuinely wonder about the streaming because um you know a lot of disney movies came out on disney plus recently instead of you know the theatrical release obviously because they couldn't um and they wanted to pay they wanted people to pay like 30 dollars to watch like mulan and like that's part of the reason that mulan 
flopped. Like, I don't think that Mulan was going to do that well anyway. They took a lot of the elements that people liked out of the movie. But $30 to rent a movie to watch once? If you're watching Crazy. it with a bunch of people, like, yeah, fine. Like, that's the cost of going to the movie theater. But if it's just me and I just, like, want to watch Mulan, like, I'm not, I'm not going to pay $30 streaming service that I'm already subscribed to to watch a movie. So I yeah. think that HBO and I think they struck the deal with warner brothers i think that they whatever they're doing is probably going to work out better for them in the long run as opposed to you know what other streaming services like disney plus are trying to do um all right so with all that aside anything else on mortal kombat itself no okay um i want to take the time now to thank our special guest tyler for joining us this week Thank you, Tyler. No Tyler, do you have uh, anything maybe. to shout out while you're here to our eight weekly listeners? Uh, no, at the moment, no. But um, I would definitely like to come on again sometime. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Well, we'll definitely consider that. If you're not following us, where can they follow us, Brooke? If you are not following us currently, you can follow us at facebook.com slash Podcast, all one word. You can follow us on Instagram and TikTok, both at Podcast, also all one word. The ats for all of our socials you can find down in the description of the podcast, as well as um, where we got our intro and movie slip sources. So that's very fun. Um, we got to talk about what we're doing next week. What are we going to watch next week? Hi, this is Thursday, Brooke, because we recorded this before the Oscars. So in a celebration of the 93rd annual Oscars, this week we are going to be doing the movie that one best picture and that is Nomadland. Um, it is directed by Chloe Zhao. It is a drama western surrounding um, a woman who loses uh, basically everything in the recession. Um, it seems to be an artsy film. I haven't seen it myself yet but um, I've heard a lot of good things about it. If you want to watch along with us you can do that on Hulu. No premium subscription required. I already checked. So with that I am going to pass it back to Past Dad. So until next week. Until next week. All right, we'll see you guys later. Thanks. Goodbye. See you. Bye.